Okay, before we get started today, I'd like to make a quick announcement. Over the last several years, I have spent a lot of time working with investors just like you. Investors who have started their business, got it off the ground, got a little bit of momentum, but just don't know how to scale up from there. They don't know how to take a small business doing a deal here and there and really systemize it and scale it up in a profitable way. I have been helping people for so many years do exactly that. I did it in my own business first, and then I helped other people replicate that success in their business. And my announcement to you is that I am ready to help you do the exact same thing right now. I have developed a program that's called the Seven Figure Investor Blueprint, and it's called that because I wanna take you from wherever you are in your business right now and help you ramp it up into a seven-figure profit business. You can do this. I know you've told yourself that you wanna do it. And for whatever reason, it's just not working out. But I wanna teach you things like how to market, to find the best deals, how to analyze those deals, how to negotiate with sellers and wholesalers to get the best possible deals how to get those deals funded, whether it's private funding, hard money lending, whatever. I wanna help you understand the best way for you to fund those deals, and then how to structure those deals for maximum profit. And then finally, how to build a team around you. You don't have to do everything in your business, and in fact, you shouldn't be doing everything. I don't do everything in my business, and it runs really, really well. In fact, it runs better when I'm not trying to do everything, and I wanna teach you exactly how to do that. All you have to do, if this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something that you must do in 2022 to reach your goals, go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. Sign up. I want to help you this year achieve all of your business goals, but you have to go and sign up first. It's seven, the word seven, figureinvestor.com. I cannot wait to see you inside the program. We are going to do great things this year. You essentially said, what's the number? Just give me the number. Let's call them right now. And you put it on speakerphone and you called this lead. And really quickly, a small group of people started to gather and everyone was sort of listening to this. And you basically called that lead and, and nailed it for her. And I, I saw it. Bill Allen was like walking out. He's like, what is everyone doing over here? You know, you're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being here. And uh, if you are a first-time listener to the show, welcome. I appreciate you being here. If you are a return listener, welcome back. I have a good one for you today. I am talking to my friend, Adam Whitney. Uh, Adam has served in the Marine Corps since 2004. He's still active duty. He started uh, investing in real estate in 2017. And uh, last year, uh, or earlier this year, actually, he became the co-owner and CEO of Blackjack 
Real Estate. That was back in June. So not that long ago, he went from kind of starting and trying to figure everything out uh, to running a company that had uh, already been established and was, you know, doing an on course to do uh, close to a million dollars. And a couple of years earlier was a $3 million company. So uh, it had its bumps and bruises. It had some things that need to be addressed, but he took it over and he jumped into that role and he is a fast learner and just attacked it like he attacks everything in his life. And uh, he's just a, a smart guy and an inspirational guy and kind of a unique story. I've not heard of this type of thing happening to someone before. And I wanted to hear what he learned, how he's handling it, what his goals are, what's happening, how is he, you know, integrating himself into a team that already existed and how is he building and growing and that, how is that team changing? So lots of good stuff in this one, guys, lots of good stuff. So I want to, I want to dump, uh, jump right into it, not dump. I want to jump right into it and let you guys meet Adam. So without any further delay, I give you guys Adam Whitney. Hey, Adam, man, how's it going? I am so excited to have you on the show and thank you for agreeing to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mike, I'm I'm excited to be here and I'm I'm absolutely honored to be on. Yeah, man. It's gonna be fun. I, I love talking to folks that and uh, full disclosure, I, I know Adam. We've we've known each other for a while. Uh, but he has a cool story, uh, very cool business, a really unique situation. And I think this will be hugely, hugely beneficial to people listening. No pressure, right? Just gonna make sure this is like tons of value for everyone. But I know it will be because I know you well enough and I and I just know your story. So uh, I'm excited to dive in. So let's give people some context. I don't want to spend tons of time, but let's give them some background. I and who you are and, and maybe how you got into real estate to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm a 17-year active duty Marine. Um, I started investing in real estate in 2017, purchased a property, kind of started in the buy and hold space, rich dad, poor dad, and you know, buy assets, get rid of liabilities, yeah. bought a few rentals and um, invested in some limited partnerships, did some private lending, got some private lending. And at some point, I just realized, like, you only need two skills to dominate any niche of real estate, in my opinion. And that's the ability to raise private capital and find off-market discounted deals. Yeah. Like, if you can do those two yeah. things in any niche, I, I really feel like you can you can dominate those niches. So I didn't really have marketing or sales skills to find those off-market deals. And I had kind of been following... Uh, seven-figure flipping and, and all you guys. And I really just was super attracted to that community of people. And uh, I went from zero in October of 2020 to learning everything I could about marketing, sales, finding off-market deals. And I started to build the machine, failed a little bit, and then gained some traction finally, and then ended up uh, as the CEO of Blackjack Real Estate. Yeah, that's it's awesome. And I definitely want to hit that whole transaction, trans transfer of business ownership and stuff. But I will say, um, as we're kind of talking about your background and how you got started and stuff, one of the like, I don't even, you probably do know this, but maybe you don't. One of the things that I, that I really caught my, you got on my radar, like not that you necessarily care about my radar, but in the seven figure group you joined and we talked and you're a Michigan guy so that we had that in common. It was kind of cool. We, we talked and I liked you. you. You seem like a really good guy, genuine guy, smart guy, super driven and all that love. I'm attracted to those kind of people. So that's awesome. But the thing that you kind of did that sort of made you famous in the group is there was a, a a lady, young lady in the group 
who was struggling a little bit in her business. And we all, we were at an event that's for our group and we went out to dinner and we were at dinner and I'm going to maybe butcher a little bit, paraphrase, but essentially I think this young lady, uh, you heard or you were talking to her that she's struggling and uh, she had some lead that, you know, she was maybe a little intimidated to call or didn't know what to say. And she was kind of like, eh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I guess I'll call him when I get back. And you essentially said, what's the number? Just give me the number. Let's call him right now. And you put it on speakerphone and you called this lead. And really quickly, a small group of people started to gather and everyone was sort of listening to this. And you basically called that lead and, and nailed it for her. And I, I saw it. Bill Allen was like walking out. He's like, what is everyone doing over here? You know? And it's like the the thing about it that stuck out to me was that most people in that situation after dinner would just be like, hey, you know, this is what I would do. Good luck. You know, when you call them, like, let me know how it goes. And you were like, nope, I'm going to let's do this right now. I'm going to like break through this fear. Like, we're going to do it. I'm going to call them. You can hear it all. Like, let's see if we can make this happen. And to me, that was like, one of the coolest things I've, I've ever seen. And I know it was a small act of kindness, probably from your perspective, but it showed what kind of person you were. And then that to me was probably a factor, maybe a big factor in the fact that you and Bill started talking and getting a little bit more um, close. And and eventually you you took over as CEO and, and took over and, and bought uh, Blackjack Real Estate, which was Bill Allen's business and had hit some pretty high heights before you took it over. Uh, it was really like making a lot of money. And I think right before, and I'm I'm talking not necessarily for you, you can jump in anytime you want and say that's dead wrong. Um, but you took this company over and it, it had, it wasn't like a smoothly running company when you took it. A couple, you know, year before that, or maybe a year and a half before that, it was smoking. You know, it was like just making money like like crazy. It was a huge late. And to give you guys reference, I don't want to just be vague. And you can jump in here, Adam, because I'm just guessing. But I, I think they were in the neighborhood of like 225, 230 deals that they did at one at their height. Right? Is that close? Yeah, a couple hundred deals north of okay. three million bucks. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, big. I mean, we're talking about absolutely a big, incredible. Yeah, huge. And and by the way, it, it had it had been started like maybe three years before that. Like it was this isn't like something that's been around for ten years. So uh, anyway, uh, you and Bill talked it out, and and he wanted to transition to focus on some other stuff, and. He just, I honestly, I'm going to tell you, I think that that thing that you did after dinner, like impressed him so much that he's like, this guy is the right guy for me to trust, to, to turn things over and let him run this company. And anyway, um, I, that was awesome to me. Uh, I'll, I've told you before, I'll probably say it again before we both die. Like that was, it was so cool. Uh, and I just, I think that was awesome. And anyways, that's the kind of person you are. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah, oh, look, Caroline. Her name's Caroline, yeah. and uh, she it, honestly. So there's a couple couple things there on principle. Uh, one thing that the military did teach me was you lead by example, and that's a great tagline. Um, and I've I've lived that. I've been the uh, I had a unique path where I was the most junior rank that the service has to offer, and I've kind of ascended to some of the higher ranks and. Uh, what I learned is, you know, it's a principle from like a book called Legacy, the All Blacks. It's called Sweeping the Sheds. 
really just means getting your hands dirty with the, the people you're around, the people you're with. So it's really hard to lead if you can't, if you're not willing to get in there and do something. Yeah. And I, I have a really deep passion for helping people, maybe to a fault. You know, maybe, you know, if you look at my calendar, maybe to a fault, um, <laughs> yeah. but I just love to help people and give back. So many people have gave back to me and that was not intended for any fanfare whatsoever. No, I know. That, that's what I liked about it. You didn't say, Hey, everyone come out here. I'm going to do this thing. I want y'all to see it. Like people just stumbled upon it, which was the cool part. Right. So, and that's, again, you're, you're kind of underscoring the fact that that's just how you are. Like you lead by example, like dig in, get your hands dirty. And, uh, I, that's, those are the kind of people I like to, to be around, spend time with, to be influenced by, you know, they say, you know, whatever you're the sum of the people you spend time with or the average or whatever that exact saying is basically who you spend time with is who you become. And, and so I really, I make an effort in my life to try to maximize my exposure to the people that I think make me better and who themselves want to be the best version of themselves. And you are exactly that. So um, I should have had you on here a long time ago because I, I really like exposing my audience to people like you too, to, to your way of thinking and the way you conduct yourself. Um, so talk about that a little bit. How, how did that conversation, I never really heard, certainly from your perspective, but how did Bill Allen broach the subject or approach you? What was that first like conversation? How did it start when he wanted to talk to you about the idea of buying his company? Yeah, I think uh, I think it was really just a few. It was less than people think, and it was kind of a few divine interactions. Like, um, you know, obviously that situation in Cancun. Prior to that, I was on a podcast with him. And I think after that, I was on a podcast. I talked to him, obviously, on the trip. And that was really the extent of our one-on-ones. It wasn't like uh, Bill and I were building this, yeah. this friendship at this time. Yep. And it was just, I was just doing what I normally do. And I was trying to be a good person. And I was trying to execute the game plan that the seven-figure flipping team gave me in the blueprint. And um, I was working as hard as I could to do it. Not, not without fail, obviously. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And what ended up happening was after that trip and, you know, the experiences Bill had talking to the, the, the other people in the group, mm-hmm. like, what's he going to do about this problem, which I didn't know anything about. Um, he just, he sent me an email and a message and just said, okay. Hey, do you have a minute for a call? And I got on a call with them. I was, I was at my Marine Corps job. I stepped outside. I was in 29 Palms, California at the time. And, you know, he said, Hey, I think, uh, look, I, I, I don't think I can really come back as and give this company what it needs. And I'm not sure hiring a, another CEO is the right move, but I, I'd like for you to take the company over, you know, be the majority owner and, and own the company. And here's kind of what I think that could look like. And I was shocked. <clears throat> I was shocked. It felt very out of left field to me. Obviously, Bill had been kind of observing for a long time, unbeknownst yeah. to me. And I told him, I need, I need some, give me a day to think about it. Like I, I, not because I didn't believe in myself, but I wanted to make sure I could be who that company deserved. Yeah. Uh, and I was up to the task and it took me about I think I told Bill this the other day, it probably took me about 25, 30 minutes to make the decision, called him back and was like, yeah, let's execute. Let's, let's find a way to make it great again. Wow. That's amazing. So 
you sort of had you knew the legend of blackjack real estate, but when you actually got in there and grabbed the wheel, were you what 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 if anything surprised you? What about that transition surprised you, if anything? Yeah, I think I think a couple a couple things. Some some really good, and and some um, some assumptions I made that weren't true. So one of the amazing things that was happening is I came into this company, and it was basically for the most part without leadership. Bill was kind of keeping it on track a little bit, but and it was doing deals. Yeah, you know, it was just functioning. Yeah, and and it was doing deals, and I was like, holy crap! I think I actually. Pretty sure the month I took over it was like a hundred thousand dollar month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was uh, it was really impressive. Uh, more than a hundred thousand. Did, did you expect to walk in and just kind of like tumbleweeds kind of go across the road, or did you think it yeah. had grinded to a halt and you were surprised that it was doing that kind of deal? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was completely shocked that yeah. it was still functioning so well without really any strategic uh, guidance anymore. Yeah. And. So that was great. So I knew, I knew I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be, this is an opportunity. This can really grow fast, but then there's some other things, right? When you take over something that's been so successful, you want to make an assumption that everything is being done for the right reason. Yeah. These people are in place for the right reason. And, um, some of the people weren't good fits for the company. In fact, you know, people had been with the company more than two years we had to let go. They just didn't meet the core values and the execution wasn't there. And yeah. uh, we had to turn over some folks and that was kind of a, a surprise to me, but yeah. we did it and <clears throat> we got stabilized. Yeah. And it, it was what I thought it would be. You know, it's a challenge too. like any of these businesses, I think are a challenge. You're, sure. you're constantly experimenting with marketing, you, you know, leading other people is, is always a, uh, it's a challenge as well, sure. regardless of how good of a leader you are. And um, yeah, but it's been really exciting. And, and it took a while to get it to going in the right direction, not quite where I want it, but it yeah. was pretty awesome. 2021 ended in a good spot, postured to have a, a great 22. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It's such a cool story. I've never, sure it's happened, but I've never, I don't know anybody. I've never heard of anyone taking over a business that was scaled up, like you said, the, the month you took it over, it did a hundred thousand dollars in gross profits. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing, right? Some people don't don't do that in a year, and they've been that, that was that was one of our better months for the year. I'll just say okay. that all the months <laughs> certainly were not like that because you got to remember, Mike uh, Bill's plan going into twenty twenty one was to scale it down. Yeah. Yes. They were going to do that multi, they were going to leverage it for multifamily. So it was already scaling down. It's not like it was putting out that number, the big marketing and and coming like that. Yeah. Which is good because I I think at some point it was sort of hemorrhaging money. So, uh, but yeah, I I had talked to Bill prior to him executing on all of this. And that was exactly his plan was to scale it down and kind of do three to five deals a month. And that was just kind of keep it steady Eddie like that. So yeah, I know that he had started scaling down. Um, What, uh, so that was some of the things that surprised you, but what are, your plans now going into 2022, uh, have you, number one, have you got the company stabilized where you feel like you have the right people in the right seats, the, all of the, the mechanisms are in place and now you just have to go out there and get it? Or are you still in repair sort of uh, stabilized mode? 
Yeah, I think uh, we're 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 getting to that point now where we're get, we're getting the right people in the right seats. One of the things that I did, uh, good or bad, was I flattened the the accountability chart. Uh, so basically, I ended up being the direct link to everybody, which was really beneficial to me in the very beginning and has quickly become not beneficial to me or the company. So uh, we just did our our EOS planning for the last couple of weeks and we're going to, we're building out the organizational chart. So like first order of business is get the, get the right leadership positions in place and figure out who's (laughs) going to lead the departments. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a really that's a big goal for us here in the first quarter or two, and then um, we did just under a million bucks in gross profit in 20, uh, 2021. and we've got a goal to hit one point six million in twenty twenty two, and we've obviously got our KPIs all dialed in and and uh, our projections out there, and we think we think it's totally doable. And, you know, our, our three-year goal is to be back up over a $3 million a year company. Okay. That's fantastic. It's funny, you know, you said for a short, for a while, you flattened the accountability chart. Everything was direct line to you. And it quick, well, at some point it didn't make sense to do that. But what I think is interesting about that, it's sort of like you created, you created the model that ends up happening with most people is they start their company. They're a one-man band. They do everything. They know everything. They're kind of have their hands in everything. And eventually they grow and they start building a team and start delegating and training and all that. Where you had a team, even though it wasn't necessarily the right team, you had a team and you sort of like flattened it all and said, I'm basically going to have my hands in everything, right? So you almost like speed dated your company. You got it. You got yourself yeah. in a position where you were a one-man band, sort of. You had people, but you were everything was you, right? And then as you scale that, you realize it's not, obviously, that isn't sustainable long-term. But it's just funny that... You dialed it back to that for a while. And I think it's good that you did. Obviously, you think it was too, but you needed to have your hands on things to, to know what was going on, right? And then kind of go back the other way. But I think that's pretty um, interesting that that you kind of, that's rare, right? Usually it just goes linear. You start small and you just build your team and whatever. You had a team and you had you kind of went backward to like a small philosophy and then you know, you're growing again. So amazing. I know people wonder about this kind of stuff when they hear, okay, you took over this company and it had hit you know, 3 million and, and it did just under a million last year and now you're building it back up and you have these goals. What, what kind of marketing, what kind of lead generating uh, strategies are working best for you? And, and if you don't mind, um, say what market you're in so people have some frame of reference. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Nashville... Pensacola, Chattanooga, Tampa, and Lakeland, Florida. Some markets much heavier than others. Um, And we primarily are doing direct mail, cold calling, and we've obviously got a website, so we have some SEO going. But but our our two primary marketing channels are direct mail and cold calling. Direct mail is king, as we were just talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I I kind of I kind of pound beat that drum on on this podcast a lot that I just I I don't know many people anybody I know whose direct mail is not the primary lead source they're a little bit of an anomaly or they're going through some sort of transition with their company um, is it postcards letters what kind of direct mail are you sending It's the same postcard that we've been using for ages Okay Nice 
Yeah. Well, if, if it works, why why would you change it drastically, right? I mean, I think that's that's uh, that's pretty standard. I think nowadays it used to be letters. Like everyone said, all letters. It's so much better. I mean, I've tried letters more than once, and I swear, uh, all I do is spend more money. I don't get more leads. I just it just costs me more, right? So, uh, I think that marketing, especially direct mail. It's a lot. Of, a lot of it's just timing. You know, you got to get that that whatever you send has to hit the hands of a person who is in a position where they need to sell their house for some reason, right? So, depend. It doesn't matter how wonderful the message is if they are absolutely not in a position where they want or need to sell their house. It just doesn't matter. So, if timing is everything, and you want to get in their hands at the right time. Let's drop the production costs a little bit and do it more often. So I, I think that's awesome. Now, when it comes to cold calling, we, we were talking a little bit before we went live here. Um, cold calling, I know, is a major uh, lead source for people. It's always been just sort of meh for my company, like just okay. We've never really crushed it with with cold calling. And it's probably, you know, some of it is probably us. We're doing something wrong. But you're doing it and you're you're getting a lot of leads that way. Are you doing it in-house? Are you paying someone, a company to kind of run your cold calling? How do you do that? Yeah, so it originally started out where I, I, I paid a company to do it and you pay a little bit of a premium and they're supposed to manage the, the cold calling team. And what mm-hmm. I found was that wasn't, it, it was not worth the premium. Like these people weren't managing the team. I got kind of, I just got frustrated with the results. So I started hiring my own cold callers and uh, I would hire them from a company who would train them, give them a baseline training, recruit them, help me hire them, hire them. And then I would bring them in. So I didn't have to like start them from zero. And we built our own team. We, we have on our, our, um, our virtual staff anywhere from four to eight uh, VAs at a time and okay. typically have at least uh, four to five cold calling at any given time. Okay. So it's all in-house. It's all very systematized. And uh, it, it's been really effective for us. I think I think where people get tripped up on marketing, and I, I, I explain this to folks all the time, is there's a, you know, the, each marketing channel does something different for you. Each marketing channel takes a certain amount of leads to get a contract. And cold calling takes a little bit more nurturing, a little bit more lead. So I, mm-hmm. I typically tell um, people I talk to, hey, you're probably going to need 40 to 50 leads to get a contract with cold calling, but you can generate those leads quickly. Mm-hmm. Then you need a really good follow-up and nurturing system to constantly be curating those leads because they're going to be in your database. They're not going to turn the first time you call them. Yeah. They're going to be in your database for three to five months and then they'll start materializing. And if you stay consistent, you're going to grow that contract number over time. Whereas direct mail, maybe it's 20, 15, 20, 25 leads to get a contract. Maybe, you know, maybe less if, you, if you're in a good market. And, um, you know, PPC obviously is going to be a lot hotter, less leads to get contracts. So you just yeah. got to understand what the marketing channel is doing for you. I see cold calling is complementary to direct mail. If I send out a million pieces of mail and only a half of 1% calls me back. I'm really curious what the rest of those people are doing and if they're interested in selling their property. So I don't want to sit back. I want to go on the offensive. I want to reach out and at least have these people tell me no or tell me yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And we should have said it probably was is way too far into this discussion to do this. But can you explain what kind of uh, what does your business do? Are you guys flipping? You wholesaling? You landlords? Like notes or land? Like what are you doing? 
Yeah, we we're a, we are primarily wholesaling our properties. Uh, we do occasionally uh, buy a few of them and, and resell them like a wholesale yeah. or, or very, very light flip. Um, but it's primarily wholesaling for us right now. And okay. that, that fits my personality really well. I think there's obviously a lot of money to be made in flipping, um, but also holding a little bit more risk. Yeah. Um, let's real quick, I want to talk about, you mentioned there were some folks on your team when you, when you walked in and kind of took this whole thing over that weren't just a great fit culturally. They just weren't executing at a high level. Can you talk about maybe in the short time that you know you've been in charge of this this company that was already established? What are some of the lessons learned from a from a team standpoint? Like what what have you learned and what have you gotten you know maybe smarter about since you took over? Yeah, I think uh, I think what you really maybe what I failed to do fast enough was objectively look at not just the data and the KPIs, but also the people and the performance. Anytime people interaction is happening, there's always emotion with that. So you really just have to kind of couple those two things. Like what is their, what are their results and who is the person? And the interesting thing for me is I'm taking over a company that already has done very well. So my going in assumption innately was Hey, this thing already runs well. These are all, all this stuff works well. And what I discovered after probably too long was, you know, Hey, there are people on this team who aren't a players. And what I found was there are a players on the team and the person who's not an a player is dragging down the a player. Yeah. And I was getting feedback on that from my team. Like, Hey, this is not working. This hasn't been working for a long time. And uh, I just realized like, Oh, okay, well, you guys deserve better. This team deserves better. We need to make a change. And that's what we did. Totally. What was the uh, reception to you like day one? Like, I'm sure they love you now, right? Everyone who gets around you loves you. But seriously, like, what did they think day one when you walked in? How did that go? I, I think there was some, I think there was excitement about uh, regrowing the company and getting some strategic direction. I'm not sure that they were necessarily excited about me. I'm sure Bill did a good job getting them, uh, getting them riled up for for me to come in. But you know, just like going into any place, you've got to you got to earn you got to earn people's trust and respect, and uh, you do that by being an A player yourself, like coming in, executing, getting your hands dirty, listening to your team, um, understanding what who they are, what they do, and you know what needs they have, and yeah. Um, you've, you've got to just, you, you just have to lead them with compassion and eventually you'll find out who is on the same wavelength as you in terms of core values and, and fits in the company and who really wants to, to go in the direction you're trying to go with the company. That's awesome. You mentioned EOS and you have your, your EOS days where you kind of lay out the plan. Can you explain briefly what, what you mean by that? What is EOS and how does that help you run your business? Yeah. So, well, a couple of things with that. Uh, Blackjack was running on EOS for a long time. It kind of faltered before I came uh, to a certain degree. And when I took over, we had we had made a decision to kill pretty much all the expenses. I actually killed the EOS. Uh, we were not running on EOS for some time just because I wanted it to be, I want, I brought everybody to the company meeting, everybody. Yeah. 
And I wanted to just create a level of transparency to help build trust. And, uh, and then we re-implemented it. So it's from the book Traction, written by Gino Wickman, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and really just gives you a good disciplined framework to run your business on. So you're running a business and not just uh, kind of shooting from the hip, which right. we did do that for a while. We did shoot from the hip and we're working really hard to kind of correct some of those <laughs> learned behaviors we created. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great system. You know, you, you do, um, you build out kind of your 10 year vision, your three year goals, your one year goals, and then you just break it down for the company by department uh, for the quarter. Right. Yeah. So then you're, you're kind of focused on the, the small stuff to build into the bigger goals. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, what, so what's next? Like you just sort of like, you have this unique situation. It sounds like you went in and, and made the necessary repairs to stabilize things. You did just under a million. I know your goal is, is 1.6 and then eventually get up to that three. What at a high level, like at a, at a real high level, what has to happen for you to reach those goals? Like what are the big action steps, the big needle movers that have to happen? Yeah, I think uh, I think I have to evolve as a leader. Um, you know, it's not lost on me that October of 2020, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. So I'm literally yeah. learning just as much as anybody else. And um, I, I have to continue to evolve and grow for the company to grow. Yeah, You know, th there's uh, I've got to let go of some things. You know, probably like many folks, you realize you got to let go of some things and I've got to be, um, you're going to have, to, I'm going to have to take some, be comfortable with a little more risk, you know, whether it's spending a little more money on marketing or trust in the sales team is going to convert, you know, you, you send out that money on marketing, you pray that it comes back at the end of the month. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we all, we've all had that feeling, especially as that marketing number gets bigger. Um, yeah. And then, and get the right people in the right seats. I've determined that is really the most critical point, yeah. at least where I'm at in the business and where I'm at as a CEO, I think having the absolute right people and not settling is the most critical piece for me yeah. as I'm looking at this going forward. Yeah. How big of a role I'm sort of asking a question that I kind of know the answer to, but I, I, it's not me. I want the audience to hear this. How big of a role do KPIs and metrics play in the growth ahead? Like how much of that are, are you paying? It Like, is that a daily activity, a weekly activity, a monthly? And how often do you look at your numbers? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my numbers at minimum weekly. The, the role it plays, you know, Mike, you can remember a time when people didn't use GPS. I'm sure. I, I mean, I can. Um, <laughs> But like most people aren't going to drive in a foreign place they don't know, like a, a foreign state they don't they they're not familiar with without yeah. their GPS. It would be the equivalent to driving without your GPS and no map if you don't have your KPIs. Like it is, you are in you are incapable of understanding your business if your KPIs if you don't have KPIs. Period. Yeah. Like that's just it. Yeah. And so KPIs, just for if you're listening and you're just like, I'm new, I don't even know what they're talking about. They just lost me with KPIs. KPIs are things, and there's a lot of things that you can track, right? But they're numbers that you're tracking. Some people call them metrics. They can be like how many, you know, tracking how many calls you got, and then how many calls does it take to get an appointment with a seller? And how many appointments with a seller does it take to get a contract? Uh, what's your average contract? Like, 
there, there was all these numbers that you can't, I mean, you can go a little nutty too, where it becomes a little counterproductive. I've been a victim of that in the past. I, I had a KPI sheet once that probably would have made like a NASA rocket scientist roll their eyes and go, I don't understand this. So you can go too far, but at minimum, you should be tracking some of these baseline numbers so that you understand. And we were just talking at it before we get on here. We looked at your KPIs and you already knew it, but it was obvious where where some things need to be addressed, right? You you had some numbers that were great and some numbers that weren't as good and they didn't really jive. And, and, and K, what KPIs can do, it's a little bit like once you can read the matrix, you can look at some of these numbers and go, you've got a sales problem. You've got a lead intake problem. You've got a marketing problem. And that's, and that's critical to not just like growing to a million or two million or three million. It's critical to getting to the first hundred thousand or whatever. Like just knowing what you're what you're doing and what's working, what's not, and and then you can get into like performance KPIs for your team and like kind of track a little bit activity stuff and trailing KPIs and lead and leading indicators and all that stuff. But the the bottom line is you have to know what's going on in your company. To your point, you wouldn't drive without a map. You wouldn't fly a plane without an instrument panel. Like There's a lot of analogies we can make, but ultimately, you're not going to get where you want to go and you may crash if you don't use KPIs. So uh, only bad things happen when you don't track your numbers, man. Um, before we go, any anything else you want to like let people know. I know you're not here to sell anything. I asked you to come on. You're not like a lot of people come on. They're like, go get my book or go to my website. But what what can you leave people with who are like, you know, this is great. It's inspiring. But I'm just I don't know. I don't know what I should be doing. You did mention before I I'm, I don't want to filibuster here, but you did mention before we got too far into this. And I loved it because I man, do I talk about this all the time. Driving leads raising money. And I'll add one thing to that because I always throw in for wholesalers, you really need to grow your buyer, grow your uh, a quality buyers list because a really great active quality buyers list will make you money. So there's very few activities, right? Leads, money, buyers list if you're a wholesaler. Like those are the main things. If you do those things well, you can be very, very, very successful. Like it's very few things that you have to nail. But what, what in your opinion, should people walk away from this interview with? Yeah, Mike, I want to go back to something you said uh, in the beginning about you're the average of the sum of the people you're around. I think is the quote you were you were okay. getting out there. Um, and I, I actually a quick parable to to get to this point was. I, I did. My mom died in high school and I kind of quit going. I, I graduated at um, pretty low in high school, 1.954 GPA. And I joined the military and I my career in the military really took off when I got to a place where they sent the best people who are on another level than me. And I got thrown into that place and I was forced to perform at a decision. I can perform at that level or I can wash out of that group. And it really opened my eyes to being around people who are doing the things that you want to be doing, who are very successful. And that changed my life. And that was in 2008. And I, I, I had a fire inside me. I just didn't have it pointed in the right direction. And that changed my life in the Marine Corps. And it's become a principle of mine uh, to put myself in rooms with people like you, with people like Bill Allen and Andy McFarlane. So that I can raise my game. And, you know, if you're if you want to do it and you're considering taking action and you you really, really want to succeed in real estate, get in a room with people who are the people that you align with and they're doing it and they're successful at doing it. And 
I mean, I knew nothing last October and now I'm running a business. And of course, my situation is somewhat unique, but uh, I'm pretty confident even without Blackjack, I would have built it similarly. So yeah, that's a, you know, first of all, I just want to say a hundred percent. If I gave anyone even the slightest indication that I was at all saying you wouldn't be a hundred percent as successful as you're going to be with Blackjack if you'd have done it all from scratch at hundred percent. You're just that guy. And, and and it's because you could and would have absolutely crushed it on your own. That's exactly why you were offered the opportunity. Because Bill knew it was a no-brainer. He knew he could give it to someone, give them a couple of steps head start and and they're just going to crush it. So yeah, you would have been ridiculously successful by yourself. You're going to be continue to be ridiculously successful. But your point is valid. I think one of the quickest ways that you can not assure, but you can really put yourself behind the eight ball and really tie your arms behind your back and really make it harder than it has to be is to try to do this isolated without any contact of anybody who's doing it at a higher level than you, who can kind of point out some landmines and give you some words of encouragement and say, hey, I, I did that exact thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Here's how I resolved it. Like Without help, without a community, without surrounding yourself with the right people, it's so much harder. It's next to impossible. And I know this because I have a graph that I put up at Flip Hacking Live. It showed the trajectory of my company. And it was very flat and sort of uninspiring until I put myself in a room with people who are much smarter and better than me at all of this. And it went up like a hockey stick. And and that's the exact reason, right? And there's many reasons within that reason. Like I met Andy and he showed me his blueprint. And like, yeah, that's true. But the, at, at a high level... I put myself around people like Andy. I just took the time to do that and took the, the leap of faith to do that. And Bill and Terry and all these guys that that you know, and and that was all the difference in the world. And I, I there's no doubt. I, I have confidence in myself like you do in you. I, I probably would have eventually figured some things out, and I would have ended up where I am. But it would have taken longer. It would have been much more painful. I would have made way more mistakes, and it just wouldn't have been as fun, man. Like I, I just love being around people like you and Andy and Bill and Terry and all these guys and Becca who just inspire me all the time. Like I can't I can't drop my game because everyone in my local area would be like you're still awesome. We don't even know what you're doing. It's like wizardry, right? And then you go around people who are super super great at this stuff and it's like you drop your revenue dropped 20%. Like what went wrong, man? Like what do you, let me help you. Like are you okay? Are you sick? Like so it's it's just cool being around high achievers because they just expect excellence from themselves and they sort of expect it from people around them and you just, that's the way to go, man. So I, I appreciate yeah, you saying that. It's like I turn my, let me show you my KPIs and I'm, I'm ready for you to give me a little wire brushing on where I need to improve, <laughs> oh you know? Gosh. Yeah. No, it's cool, man. It's, it's awesome. And I love, you know, the transparency is cool too, because there's too many people in this world who just think they have some sort of a secret that they can't give up because your success is my failure, like zero sum and all that. It's just not. And just surrounding people be surrounded by people who have an abundance mentality. Like I'll show you my KPIs. Like I'll show you my postcard. Like you held up your postcard, right? Like social media, we might, we might show that, but like, I know I don't have to call you and go, Adam, dude, we might show your postcard. Like, is that okay? Like, whatever. I don't care. Like show whatever you want. Like, doesn't matter. I'm just going to, if they're in my market, I'm going to beat them to the call. I'm going to get the deal. Like, I don't care. Right. So, um, just cool being around people like that, that just, that just realize that there's, there's enough for everybody. And and if you need help, I'll help you kind of a mentality. So man, thanks for being on. I could talk to you all night. I just enjoy being around you, man. Are you going to be in Nashville in a couple of weeks or next week, actually? 
Yep. Okay, cool. Good. I'll see you there then. Uh, guys, if you're wondering what that is and if you can get there, you can, but you have to join Seven Figure Flipping. It's a it's a closed group. It's a curated group. It's a special group, but uh, you can definitely do it. Uh, you can go to uh, sevenfigureflipping.com if you want more information. But uh, essentially, uh, we're going to be there and hang out and trade secrets like we're doing kind of here live, but we'll do it for uh, we'll do it longer and it'll get a little deeper. So I can't wait to see you next week, man. All the luck in the world to you. You're a great dude. Thank you for your service. I didn't say that either, but I really appreciate it. My dad was a Marine, so uh, I just, I can't tell you enough how much it means to me. So uh, thanks, man. And I'll see you in about a week. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute honor, Mike. All right, man. Thanks. All right, guys. I hope you love that one. Adam's a good dude. I have known him for uh, about a year now, I guess. Um, maybe a little over a year, year and a half. And uh, he's just one of the good ones. And he's a super duper sharp guy. Just so, so smart. Uh, would have been an absolute crazy success without uh, taking over Blackjack. Uh, but he did, in fact, get the opportunity because he's such a rock star to take over an established business and take the reins and grow it into uh, even more than it was when he took it over, which is kind of a unique and interesting challenge. And that's why I wanted to bring it to you guys. There's a lot of ways you can do this business. And honestly, just showing up, being in the right rooms at the right time and showing what you're made of to people, you know, just sometimes manifests in the cool opportunities. And that's exactly what happened with Adam. And uh, he's just going to crush it. He's such a smart uh, guy and uh, very much a go-getter and, and just has the right attitude about everything. So uh, there's no way this guy loses in my opinion. So I uh, just wanted to expose you guys to him uh, and just hear his story and his journey because it's so unique and so different and it's happened so fast. And that's how things can go if you just put yourself in rooms and keep putting one foot in front of the other and making progress and taking action every single day. It all it all can come together. Uh, and it just came in a, together in a different way for Adam. But uh, get out there and go for it. And you just never know the good things that will happen when you take action. All right. We'll see you guys next time.